This is the Court Today replay on C103. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. As we wish you a very good morning and welcome you along to Wednesday's edition of the programme. John Paul taking the calls at 1850-333-103. Text WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And as I say, a nice weather forecast for today. Nice autumn uh, sunshine and temperatures kind of average for this time of year. And there is a kind of a lovely calmness out there at the, the moment and I don't know if we're going to be saying the same thing this time uh, tomorrow with uh, the whole of the country set to brace itself for Hurricane Lorenzo it's expected to sweep over the country now it's not going to be a hurricane it is expected to be a tropical storm but it could be a tropical storm that could mean winds of up to a hundred kilometres per hour and with that will be dangerous sea uh, surges. Uh, somebody's already been on uh, saying why Why is there so much talk and why is there so much hype about this Hurricane Lorenzo? Well I think one of the reasons for it is because it, this particular hurricane has moved further north and east across the Atlantic than ever before. They've, we've never seen a Category 5 hurricane this so far north and so far east. I mean, at the height as a hurricane, it has speeds of 260 kilometres per hour. But obviously, as it's moving and tracking along, it's weakening to a tropical uh, storm. And then when it hits Ireland, it's expected that the winds will be down to 100 kilometres per hour, even though as it's approaching as a tropical storm, the centre of that storm will have winds of uh, well over 100 kilometres per hour, but it'll weaken as it comes in. But it's as to what part of the country it is going to uh, affect. Now, at 10 o'clock this morning, uh, Met Aaron was making a fresh assessment and giving detailed uh, alerts. We are still not at a status red warning. I can tell you that in the last 10-15 minutes, Met Aaron have issued a status orange wind warning for Cork. That's valid from 6pm tomorrow, Thursday evening and that will last until 3am in the morning. So the worst is going to be tomorrow evening, tomorrow night into the early hours of Friday morning. And Met Aaron then added to that a status yellow rainfall warning for Ireland. Now that's valid from nine o'clock tomorrow morning until nine o'clock on Friday morning. So we're going to have a lot more rain than we are going to have wind. But it's how high the wind is and how strong the wind is. That's what's really going to cause the problem. Now that's not taken away from the rain and the problems that are going to be or the rain is going to bring with it with the possibility of flooding. Someone's already been on saying Patricia our school's going to close. No decision has been taken on advice regarding uh, school closures but that's expected uh, later on today if there is going to be any change. I mean Met Aaron will continue today to monitor this monster Category 5 hurricane as it turns into a tropical storm and they will continue to continue to monitor it today and continue to track it. There is the hope that it could track past
past Ireland's west co- coast to not come on uh, on the country at all. But the worst case scenario is that it would sweep directly over the country and that then would bring with it the high winds and the rain. And that could lead to the possibility of a status red, either wind warning or a status red rain warning. And I'm assuming that it's only if there is a status red warning that we will be looking at school closures. So as of now, no decision has been taken, but I suppose they're putting it out there to give warning to parents just in case you may be in the situation if you're a working parent that you may need to have backup ready in case they do decide to close the schools. But if they do decide to close the schools, an announcement on that is expected later on today. We will continue throughout the morning to bring you any updates that we get from Met Aaron, And I know at about 20 past 12 today, John Paul has lined up Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather to come on. Alan O'Reilly is a fantastic guy. He, he really gives such a accurate weather forecasting. So we want to get his opinion on what he thinks is going to happen over the next 24, 48 hours. So we'll speak with Alan uh, O'Reilly from Carlo Weather a little bit later on. But as I say, we will keep a close eye on Met Aram as they continue to track the, the precise course of Lorenzo and they're expecting to have more detail uh, throughout today. As of now, what we're looking at with winds Thursday evening into Thursday, into overnight, into the early hours of Friday morning, West and East Cork as it stands would get the, if Lorenzo stays on track, would get the highest winds of between 50 and 60 kilometres per hour. But you could have Castletown Bear, Kilcrohan, Goline, Skull, Baltimore and areas all along the Mism plus all of the islands off West Cork they could have winds of anything between 80 kilometre and gusts of over 100 kilometres and they are very, very damaging wind speeds and damaging gusts but uh, and added to that will be strong winds for the entire Cork region that's all tried to keep safe and I suppose it is best to be prepared for it but if it, if it does happen. It's not going to last very long. As I say, it's expected from tomorrow evening into tomorrow night and then the early hours of Friday morning and then we'll be assessing if there's any damage. The assessment will be done then on Friday. But I heard of somebody who was out yesterday evening, went to the local shop to pick up a few bits and pieces for the for, for dinner and met some of her neighbours and was chatting. <laughs> the neighbours were stockpiling bread they were already buying the sliced pans. So she kind of got a bit panicky. She said, God, if they're all buying the bread, I better buy some bread as well. So she didn't need it, but bought the bread and had space and stuck it into the freezer. So there are people already buying bread. I would be interested if there's any shopkeepers listening to us. Have you noticed an increase in people coming in and buying bread? We're back again. Was it the beast from the east? Or was it Stormophilia? Stormophilia was the one with the bread, was it? I mean, do you remember there was scenes in shops of empty shelves with the amount of bread and the amount of bread that must have been thrown out after the Beast from the East and Stormophilia. We just went nuts. But I suppose there is that thing, if there's nothing else in the cupboard, at least you have bread. For me, you can always pop it into the toaster and there's something comforting, isn't there, about a cup of tea if you have, if you're able to manage to boil the kettle, even though when the electricity went, people weren't even able to boil the kettle. But uh, a cup of tea and a slice of toast with butter, there's something comforting in it. But just to let you know, there are people already out there stockpiling, if, as I say, if you're a shop 
shopkeeper let us know if you've noticed any stockpiling in your area 1850 and when I mentioned rain and we are certainly expecting rain over kind of a 24 hour period from 9am tomorrow morning until 9am on Friday uh, because already they're saying it's a status yellow rainfall warning so that's going to bring with it a lot of water that could lead to flooding in some areas yesterday we spoke on the programme about flooding on the ring road in Clonakilty when Humphrey Deegan joined us and he was quite exacerbated and shocked that with all of the work that's gone on for flood relief in Clonakilty that the ring road still flooded. So we got on to Cork County Council to say, whoa boys, what's going on here? And girls, what's going on here? Why is the ring road uh, flooded? Was that not included in the flood relief work? Were people not led to believe that, you know, most or all of the flooding problems for Clonakilty would be a thing of the past? Well, we asked them for an update and they've come back to us. This was from the area engineer to say at Fax Bridge, there are still issues to be finalised, re non-return valves and the existing drainage network and how it works in the different flood events. So that'll give you some sense of hope if there's still issues to be finalised. So maybe they're going to be able to sort it out. But the contractor, MMI, are aware of issues at Hayes' house for desert cottages there will be flooding on high tide events nothing has changed with regard to coastal flooding in that area so they can do all of the flood relief works that they like but they can't do anything when flooding occurs because of high tide uh, events and that was the explanation we received from Cork County Council 1850 coming up on the programme this morning in a couple of minutes we're going to be discussing safe injection centres and do we need a safe injection centre for Cork City initially and I suppose ideally if we got one operating in Cork City, would we have them operating in different parts of the country as well? There are always objections to these safe injection centres, even though if you look to other parts of the world where they have introduced them, it has saved lives and it has made the streets safer in that it stops heroin addicts from shooting up down alleyways and dingy corners or anywhere where they feel it's safe to inject heroin and these people are addicts these people are need need help so if you have a safe injection centre they can go into them and they're, it's supervised and it's there's medical personnel available if God forbid the person overdosed uh, for example but it also stops the problem and makes it safe for, from a public health point of view of addicts leaving syringes syringes that you know could have hepatitis, for example, uh, on it. So it, from a health safety point of view, they're safer as well. But it's the issue that anyone who is brave enough to campaign for a safe injection centre. They are brave, particularly politicians. They are brave, brave people because nobody wants them in their backyard. Everybody, I think, agrees in principle that, yes, these people are addicted to heroin. These people are addicted to drugs. These people need help. And this may be one way of doing it, but nobody wants to live anywhere near or certainly next door to uh, an injection centre. So we're going to talk around all of those issues on the programme today. Also, we're going to hear of the dangers of overeating because of boredom when you retire from your job. There's some interesting research out showing 
how not, not not just overeating in retirement but binge drinking and I suppose the binge drinking goes back to if you are this is somebody who is retired who decides oh I'll have a few drinks so I don't have to get up for work in the morning I, I imagine it's somebody who would never consider having a drink if they'd work the next day but suddenly when the work is taken away and they've all this free time and if they're lucky enough to have the cash to go with it to splash the cash they may be thinking sure why not have a few drinks and it can lead to binge drinking but more worryingly it can lead to overeating, lack of exercise and of course overeating is going to lead to obesity issues and then the knock-on effect of that are going to be all of the health issues. So we're going to talk a little bit around positive retirement I suppose and healthy retirement and is it one of these things that you need to start planning in advance of your retirement date rather than waking up the morning after you've retired to go oh gee what am I going to do now I suppose you know for for people who are thinking about retirement or a near retirement date if they have a lot of hobbies in their working life I'm assuming they bring those hobbies then with them into retirement and they look forward to the retirement because they can focus more on their hobbies but what if you're one of those people that dedicate so much time to your working life and that your work is your be all and end all of your life retirement must be very difficult for people like that so I would be interested to hear from anybody who is on that pathway of heading towards retirement are you preparing for it leave the financial side out of it what we're talking about is it's kind of the mental side of it, the emotional side of it. How are you worried about the boredom? And I also would love to hear from people who have retired. Are you finding yourself that you're bored? Have you fallen into that category of suddenly you're snacking a lot more, you're eating a lot more, you're drinking too much alcohol? And can you directly relate that to the fact that you stopped work and it was because of boredom you had nothing else to do. Your thoughts welcome to uh, 1850 333 103. Is your health insurance due for renewal? We're coming into that time of year when most of us will be taking a look at our health insurance because the premiums will either be coming into our inbox in our email or coming in through the letterbox and I think all of us are going to get quite a little bit of a surprise when the premiums come in this year because it seems from what I can gather from what I've been reading and, and looking up all of the premiums have gone up so we it's time to get advice for all of us how we can save money on our health insurance and I think this year more than ever we all need to be shopping around and we have advice for people in danger of losing their home through bank repossession and this in particular this morning we're going to feature this is our, our Walia feature that we do twice a month today we're, we're going to look at the fact there's been a lot of media attention on celebrities who have lost big houses. There's been a few of them uh, lately. Now, these are very big, elaborate, expensive homes. And many of these people have been in debt and not repaying their mortgage for many, many years. But they get a lot of attention. And when people who are not celebrities, but maybe living in a house that is a little bit more elaborate than your average three-bed semi. They see these stories and they put themselves into the same category and think no point me going and going anywhere near the banks or talking with the banks or negotiating with the banks because look at what what I was reading on the paper. So and so, sure if he or she has celebrities hadn't a hope of keeping their house, what hope do I have? And that's the exact wrong piece of advice. They are the very people who need to be negotiating. You need to not bury your head in the sand and I know that is easier said than done. If you're 
constantly getting letters in the post or phone calls from the bank and you're in a position that you can't afford to pay back what the banks are asking you to do. So we will advise on that on the programme today. And it is Wednesday. Peter Dowdle will be joining us after half past 12 today on what looks like a beautiful day to be out and about gardening. And I can already see some uh, questions coming in with a great question coming in about planning for next year. And, you know, a lot of this time of the year, I sort of look at the garden at this time of the year and said, oh, it's time for my garden to go to sleep. But it's also time to be doing a lot of prepping and a lot of preparing. So uh, questions for Peter, get those into us. 1850 John Paul, taking your calls. Lines have already been busy this morning, so bear with us uh, if John Paul doesn't always get your call at the moment you are ringing in. I always remind people you can text if you require a call back and then when the lines get a bit quieter John Paul is able to contact you and of course don't forget there are many many ways to contact us through text or WhatsApp and, and also you can do through things like Facebook Messenger as well and email your good old email is always there Patricia at c103.ie When we were talking about the weather and uh, we are keeping a close eye on Storm Lorenzo and we will bring you any updates that we have throughout the morning including a chat with Carlo Weather and um, Alan O'Reilly great great guy and he'll update us on the very latest at about 20 past 12 today Mary though is offering her piece of advice she said Patricia word of warning please to your listeners would they please tie down any trampolines that they may have in their garden and bring in any garden furniture do it before the high winds hit as Mary said I encountered a flying trampoline which landed on the road in front of Mary during the last storm very very dangerous uh, experience and a frightening experience as well and those trampolines can do huge damage I've seen so many pictures online of trampolines just lifting up out of a garden now as Mary said in her case I mean landing if you're driving along and a trampoline comes flying down the road uh, in front of you that's you know that could cause a very serious accident but I've even just seen trampolines being lifted out of where they are in the garden and landing say in a neighbour's garden we're going through maybe the front of their car in through the the windscreen of the car just doing huge damage either to your own car or to a neighbour's car you just, yeah, tie tie it down. You really, even if you think your trampoline is, you know, is well established, get out and take a look at it because you will be surprised if there's been a lot of rain and the garden is wet and the grass is wet that will loosen where the trampoline has been. So good piece of advice from Mary. Thank you for that. And trampolines have once again become popular. They were all the rage a few years ago. Then they kind of died away again. They're kind of back again. I noticed them this summer in particular. I noticed there seemed to be a lot of them on sale and I started spotting them in in people's gardens. So good piece of advice from Mary. Thank you for that. And something that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on in uh, this hour is the dangers of boredom when you retire and I was asking people if you've retired yourself or you're in that position where you're about to retire are you planning for your retirement Mary and Kilcroham said that she found adult education classes that schools were offering to be a wonderful way for adults to spend their time when they retire she said she learned how to make furniture she did painting she did ceramics and many more interesting courses she said it was fantastic and a great way to mix with other people of her own age. She found it a great outlet. She said, even if you don't have a hobby, she said it was a good way for you to learn a new skill. To this day, following those classes, Mary Kilcrohan is still doing art. And the type of courses that Mary's talking about, these adult education courses, they're no longer being offered at schools, which she said is a real 
a shame because she's, she found them fantastic. The only thing is you can do night courses. That's, I know that's not the same as doing something during the day, but there are many night courses, particularly, Mary, um, as you say, if you haven't got a hobby, you might discover a new hobby. As you say, to this day, you are still painting. And Connor in Mitchellstown says, I worked in long hours in my job, absolutely loved it. And when I retired at 65, everything all of a sudden stopped. First few weeks, says Connor, was great and I could relax. But after that, I yes, I started to get bored. It was like I'd lo- I was lost. I'd lost my social scene in work, as in meeting up with my work colleagues every day. And at the time, my wife was still working, so I was home alone every day. Children were grown up and they'd all moved on. I did potter around the garden, but we've a small enough garden, so there was only so much I could do there. Then, light bulb moment for our Connor in Mitchellstown. Connor started volunteering with various organisations in the area, and Connor said that was the big turning point. I says, only just a couple of hours. Uh, but he said it's just great it gives you you know a reason to get up in the morning if you know you're heading out somewhere and then there's a real anyone who's ever volunteered will tell you this that you feel good about yourself that you've helped somebody in some uh, way and of course it also opens up a whole new circle of friends as well and a new social scene uh, for you so that would be Connor's advice in Mitchestown to anybody who is listening at home has already retired and has that sense of loss because their job is no longer there. Go out, take a look at the wonderful organisations in your area and consider volunteering a a few hours. You could do a few hours a day, a few hours a week, whatever you want to do. But yeah, many organisations will absolutely love to see you coming. Thank you, Connor, for that to 1053 <laughs> In Stadarian of Air Magneticus and Downlugs and Sposs. Buig Einstein on Douche Noble and Physic, Sibling Nade Fehahain. Darer Dalvig, the Ansime Galbert Secure. August Morocco Rebshe in a Physicure, Cradine's Gummuxhe in a Kyotor. For Albert Einstein, Boss Air Shock du Laudeg, the Mirbron Nade Quake Le Blur Guelga is Nisha Emmage Brun of Welskull to Mostal Vishmala. CKD as a three Kirkig. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. McCroom-born Senator Kellett Kelleher has called for progress to be made on a safe injection centre for Cork. To outline why, Senator Kellett Kelleher joins me. Good morning to you, Kellett. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and How are you? I'm very well and, uh, and you're welcome. Now, you were brave to be suggesting this. So I suppose, mm. firstly, outline how a safe injection centre actually operates. Well, there's different types of ones in different parts of the world. Um, I know that my colleague, uh, Senator Lynn Ruan, uh, we're part of an Oireachtas Drugs Reform Group and we talk about safe injecting centres, but we talk about other things as well because it isn't just a one um, strand of, 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 of an approach. You need, you know, multiple strategies and multiple sort of supports for people who are active drug users. So there's different, there's different ways, but uh, she, she, she visited some in Paris recently 
and they were very sort of impressive in the way that they operate. They're nice places, not dark, dingy places. They've been in operation in places like Switzerland for many, many years. I mean, my preference is that we would have kind of localised small places that are dispersed rather than one big centre in the middle of a city centre or in the middle of, uh, you know, uh, Dublin because there's been a lot of controversy around that. Um, And there, you know, when you do that, you kind of... Uh, take away the kind of the whole kind of you know head of steam that often builds up around them by people who are fearful. Um, and the key to these centres, they're supervised and, supervised, there's, and there's medical yep. personnel, medical people, and we know this works. I mean, you know, when I was in Cork, Simon, um, uh, the the then Southern Health Board had kind of agreed to set up um, a surgery, for example, in in Anderson Ski in the shelter I was with Cork, Simon for eight years. And, um, you know, in the course of that, I supported its development and Dermot Kavanagh has continued to, to, to develop those kind of health and care um, supports that, 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 you know, reach people where they're at. There's no point in, you know, you know sort of uh, saying to a person to go to a hospital or even giving people a medical card if there isn't a place that they'll feel comfortable and welcome in and that the, the people working there, the doctors and the nurses and others, you know, have a good understanding of the kinds of situations that people will find themselves in. I mean, an awful lot of people who have... Uh, uh, you know, severe addiction issues, whether it's alcohol or drugs or maybe a mixture of both, are people who've really experienced an awful lot of trauma in their lives. You know, uh, addicts don't come out of the air um, and therefore there needs to be a really good understanding of the, you know, the experiences, for example, of it's called adverse childhood experiences and how they imprint on a person and those kind of difficult situations that people find themselves through no fault of their own as small children uh, often carry into adulthood and 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 addiction is one of those things that's associated with that bad start in life and are there any of the safe injection centers open anywhere in ireland at the moment no no and i think we're burying our head in the sand because i live in the city center i walk around all of the time and you see people in in really severe states of distress, really having taken, uh, you imagine, to be heroin down a lane in an alley. Uh, it's degrading. It's humiliating. You know, you have kind of reached rock bottom when that's your situation in life. Uh, there's shame. There's stigma. And of course, there's a huge public health Mm. Uh, issue as well mm. um, you know you don't want young children you don't want people I don't like seeing people in those states um, and I would like to think that we would you know face up to the fact that we have I think in the Cork Harry area there's estimated about 500 people using heroin now you know I imagine that could be an underestimate and it's in country towns as well as in cities and I think we just need to face up to that fact and that reality and start instead of blame or jail or criminalisation, which just doesn't work. If it worked, there wouldn't be anybody taking heroin. Uh, we know that it doesn't work. So we need to look to places like France. I mean, um, Portugal, a number of years ago, you know, really faced up to this. It had a very, very, very serious drug problem and, you know, huge levels of, of death by, by heroin. And they decriminalised and introduced a whole a host of, of public health measures. And I mean, I have to, you know, pay tribute to, to Minister Catherine Byrne. Uh, you know, she's taken a very brave step. There's no votes in safe injecting centres, yeah, I can tell problem, you. Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes we need leadership and courage to, to do the right thing. I was speaking recently 
to uh, to to the Tonishta and you know other Cork politicians. And I think you know there is a realization that sometimes we have to take brave, courageous steps, and people will be fearful. But I know from my own experience when I was opening a centre for people who were street drinkers, you know there was an awful lot of hoo-ha and a lot of drama and a lot of accusations and a lot of fear and a lot of misinformation in spite of, you know, strenuous efforts to, to engage and consult. Um, and, you know, people, some people who are against it just become more entrenched. So, you know, I think you have to lead and, you know, that centre is open and it's working well. It's yeah, not because very far from where I live. Yeah, and, because you know. that, that, that's the real problem, that many people will agree in principle with yeah, these but safe But not injections. next to me. But yeah. n- NIMBY, nobody wants exactly. them in, in my backyard. So that's yeah. what we need to get around here. Yeah, and I was asked recently, you know, how would I feel if it was next door to me? And I can tell you the God's honest truth is that I wouldn't mind. Well done, well done. And and these centres also, uh, Catherine, they will make the streets safer for everyone. Exactly. This is what I don't understand, you see, because it's actually better that people who have an addiction uh, issue in their lives get help. And there's a far greater uh, um, a possibility um, that people will, will actually uh, take, you know, at least reduce the harm. Uh, which means safe injecting. I mean, as I said, there's public health issues here as well. Um, hepatitis C, uh, we, we want to eliminate that by uh, 2030. Um, and it's plateaued. And really, in order for us to, to achieve that elimination, which would be a really good thing to do, uh, you need to reach people who won't go to the ordinary places, who won't, you know, go out to CUH. There was a, a lovely doctor from... from um, from St. Vincent saying, you know, they've got a great clinic out there, but the kinds of people who are now most at risk won't won't yeah. go there. So you need to meet people where, where they're at. Uh, there's 500 um, uh, people who use heroin. Uh, it's not a, uh, it's not a great uh, uh, way to be. As I said, it doesn't come out of the air. People become uh, addicted to substances, alcohol and, and heroin and other substances for, for, for a variety of reasons, but very often it's because of a tough start in life and we need to be humane and kind and practical and uh, that's what these safe injecting centres are okay, about. But as you said earlier, uh, there's no votes uh, in, no. in issues like this. Well, I mean, see, politically, this is why will you I get can, any support? Well, I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm a Taoiseach's nominee and I think in the Senate, so I suppose that's the freedom of a job and a role like me. I'm independent. I'm not aligned. So I can speak out where maybe other politicians might agree with me, but will be fearful that there won't be votes in it. But whether there are votes in it or not, I mean, people who use heroin tend not to vote, but they are people. They uh, are in our cities, in our towns, they're in our families. And we need to reach out in a humane, kind way, but yeah, also well a practical way. And they are lives way. worth saving uh, as well. Absolutely. Oh, there, you know, it could have been, it could be any of our, you know, God forbid it would happen to anybody that we know or love, but it could. Yeah. And you'd like to think that if they were in a strange place in a strange city, there would be the kinds of supports that would, would connect with them okay. and give them hope. Well done. Well done, because as I said at the start, you were brave to raise this issue. And before we let you go, just on, on, a, on a different topic, I saw you tweet yesterday your disappointment over the withdrawal of the tender for the Direct Provision Centre yes, very in, uh, or the, in County Galway. Very Again, is this a case of NIMBY, just not in my backyard? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, again, Ireland takes a very small number of refugees relative to other places in the world. You saw the terrible uh, deaths and fire in, in, in a container in Lesbos. 
uh, Ireland has to do its bit. Uh, we had to leave our country. My brother's just recently done a study of, of the famine uh, and workhouses and uh, the workhouse in McCroom, in fact. And, um, you know, two, two million Irish people had to leave uh, because there's, we simply couldn't survive in our own country. People have to leave because of war, because of conflict, because of all sorts of reasons. Ireland is a, is a country which is relatively prosperous and we need to play our part. Uh, I, was in, I was in Lebanon uh, a number of years ago. Um, it's a country, the, uh, the country's around the same size as Munster. There's a million refugees there and we are pulling up the ladder for a very small number of people. Refugees are people as well. You know, they've names, they've they've families. A lot of the time they don't particularly want to have to have, leave their home. And I think really it is quite kind of sad and, you know, uh, I'm I'm disappointed that um that, that, that we weren't able to hold out the hand of friendship to people. Well you can uh, be you can be proud of your, your hometown of McCroom because indeed. Only, only last couple of weeks ago we spoke with Nadia uh, uh, from right. Syria who is in the uh, I know it's a temporary yeah. uh, direct provision centre in McCroom and she was talking about how, about how well received they have been yeah. by the local uh, people. Yeah, absolutely. And you see it's often the loud voices get heard uh, most and the, the people and you know I thought it was ironic that people were saying the inhumane uh, direct provision centres. There's no doubt that people living together, you know, in groups uh, like 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 in direct provision centres is not a great way for people to live, and certainly not in the long term, and certainly not for children. But the point is that you know the people who were kind of um, you know allegedly uh, upset about direct provision, you know you know wh- why not open their doors? Do they have a spare room? You know could they invite people into the, into their homes? Uh, you know that's the other alternative. So I would I would be sceptical that, that there was any any real sort of um, uh, depth to to the kind of objections to direct provision centres. And yeah, people like Nadia. I mean, I'm part of a lovely um, network of volunteers in Cork. In fact, I I do probably less than an awful lot of other people, but they're retired teachers or retired people in Cork City. Uh, they um, uh, have a, a lovely network and connect in with people in direct provision, you know, offering lifts to hospitals, you know, doing things like holiday play schemes, um, art classes, all sorts of things. And, you know, the lovely cafe that we have on, on George's, uh, George's Quay, mm. uh, Isidine, uh, you know, he and his family had a terrible time, came all the ways, you know, from, 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 uh, from Palestine via Syria and Turkey, I understand. And now they are providing the most glorious food. I don't know if you've had a chance. To I have, to I have, yeah. And it's yeah. just wonderful and the nicest man. And, you know, why wouldn't we want people like him in our city? I lived for 17 years in London. I was made welcome. Uh, I contributed while I was there. I never felt I was a burden on anyone. And it's the same when people come to our shores and particularly when they're fleeing terrible situations that none of us can even imagine. Okay, we leave it there, Colette. Listen, pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. Bye Bye now. Bye. That's independent 
Cork Senator Colette uh, Kelleher joining me with her views. Initially, we brought her on to talk about the safe injection centres, but I just was when I saw her tweet yesterday, I just said I had to give her a chance to, to hear more about her view on uh, asylum seekers and refugees uh, in this country. Um, because Jar has already been on to say the government have come out this morning and said they have spent millions on asylum uh, seekers, be it in direct provision, emergency accommodation. Why is this money not being spent? It's the same old argument. Why is this money not being spent on Irish people? Irish people are dying on our streets. So many people died on our streets last year. Why are we not helping them? I'm not against, Ger said, people coming into this country, but we need to be looking after our own first. We can't save the world. Look after our own first before we even entertain looking after refugees or asylum seekers. And that's from Jar, that age old argument that is always there. And actually, that was interesting when I saw his point about the number of people dying on our streets. So I just did a quick check how many people died in our streets uh, last year and for 2017 the um, the official figure seems to, I don't know if I've got official figure I don't have official figures uh, on average between 40 and 50 homeless people die every year in Ireland they may not necessarily all die sleeping rough but they may die as a direct result of being homeless or they may die in, in a shelter so between 40 and 50 homeless people die in this country every year and Jair's point is while that's going on we need to look after them. We can't afford to look after anyone from any other country, regardless of what state the country they're in. If it's war torn or you know, there's famine, we can't look after them. That's Jer's point. 1850-333-103, lines open. Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home. With up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me Martina O'Donoghue every weekday from 4 to 7 C103 In the next hour we're going to talk about why shopping around for your health insurance is more important than ever this year than ever before and also giving advice uh, to people who are in danger of losing their home through bank repossession Your calls and comments welcomed You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed now, Happy birthday to Sis Guiney in Rock Chapel. Sis, I'm told you're celebrating your 90th birthday today. Happy birthday to you. Lots of love. You have a big family, seven daughters, three sons, loads and loads of in-laws. And of course, there's many grandchildren. There's even great grandchildren. So happy birthday, Sis Guiney in Rock Chapel, no doubt, having a very special day today and uh, being spoiled rotten by all of the family. Hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful time. We were talking about retiring and we're not going to get to that piece today. We will get to it tomorrow, but it has already uh, generated some commentary in from uh, people. It's this whole notion of what happens when you retire. For some people, they can become very bored and there's research out showing that with that boredom can come kind of very bad habits. Some of the more worrying habits is binge drinking uh, and then people start to put on a lot of weight because they start to overeat snacking. And you know, we all know, we all, we're all guilty of that. If you get bored, you have a tendency to eat when you're bored. And of course, if you're eating too much because of boredom, it's leading to problems with obesity and then that's leading and bringing all sorts of weight issues. Uh, and people just finding themselves very bored and no real planning done. So I suppose the key message when it's coming up to retirement is to plan. Jerry and Care was listening to me mentioning this in the last hour and he said, I worked for 45 years with the one company and for two years after I retired Jerry said I started to realise I was actually depressed I missed work I missed the people that I had worked 
with. But I did get over it. I ended up going to classes in a local school. I learned computers and then I also got involved with volunteering. But it can happen so easily. And Jerry and Kerr makes an interesting point. He said he was never one of those people who would have believed that it could happen to him. That if he'd been listening to me talking about, you know, not planning for your retirement. And if he had heard somebody say there is a danger, you know, that you could get very bored and that it could even lead to depression, he would have been saying, oh, that never happened to me. I'm not that type of person. But he said it was only after two years he started to realise becoming, I suppose, socially excluded, missing the friendship and the colleagues at work and then starting to realise not going out very much, not doing anything, waking up every morning, nothing to do, all day to do it. And out of that, it can lead to depression. So well done to Jerry, I suppose, for seeing the warning signs. It took him two years, but started to realise I need to do something here. I need to do something for myself. So he got involved back to education, but also volunteering. It's an interesting volunteering has come up again. That, and actually both of those points came up earlier. Somebody had said, you know, doing added education courses, but somebody else said volunteering was the key. If you end up with all of this time on your hands, put it to good use. You've got years and years of experience that you brought to your work force and now use that experience to help out people who really need your help when you're retired and find yourself with uh, more time. And Vera says, Patricia, I retired a few years ago and I have so many places to go and so many things to do and so many things to see. I really often wonder how did I ever have time to work? And friends are fantastic, says Vera. Well done, well done. That's a, See, but, but when, we're, when we're talking about retirement and when we're talking about it not working for some people, there are the Veras of this world that it does work for. There are many, many people who literally can't wait to retire. There are many people who counted down to their retirement uh, and then a whole new chapter of their life opened up and they became very, very busy individuals like Vera who suddenly now is saying, how did I ever go to work at the same time with all of these other things that I need to be doing? So well done and long, long may your happy and busy retirement continue, Vera. Thank you for your, your WhatsApp to 0862103103. And Eve has been on to us. She was listening to my interview in the last hour with Independent Senator Colette uh, Kelleher, who is a McCroom native but now uh, works or lives in uh, Cork City and is a full time uh, senator. And she was talking about injection centres and the need for safe injection centres for our heroin addicts. And then just at the close of the interview, I had spotted a text from Colette yesterday where she was talking about the direct provision centre and the one in Galway that now is no longer going to be a direct provision centre and how she was uh, very sorry to hear about that news and was disappointed that it has happened. We'll leave listened with interest to that and uh, wants to congratulate Colette and say well done on her comments on asylum seekers. Eve also says we have become such a racist country. What is happening in this country? Now there are a lot of people are quite upset with what has come out from Uchtarard in County Galway and the news now that the plans to open an accommodation centre for asylum seekers have been abandoned and they've been abandoned because of objections from local residents and there are many government ministers who are hitting out at the people who are opposed to direct provision uh, centres in uh, 
in Ireland. Um, some are saying that the objections to such facilities will now result in a lack of much needed services for uh, volunteers. We know that there was a tender to convert the Connemara Gateway Hotel and it has now been withdrawn. The developer, Sean Lyons, said the plans for the accommodation centre will 100% now not be going ahead and the controversial centre had been the subject of protests in recent weeks I think it culminated at the weekend though there was about it depends on what media reports you, you read between two and 3,000 people at a rally who were opposed to having a direct provision centre in Uthorod in County Galway Minister for Justice Charlie Flanagan he has been quite scathing I have to say in his attacks on the people who opposed it he said that there were grossly misleading comments had been made about direct provision in recent weeks and he added that the the same critics are not willing to put forward any alternative solutions. Minister Flanagan said he was disappointed that the bidder had chosen to withdraw the tender as it's now, he said, it's just going to make a, a situation that's already bad, it's going to make it worse and that is the problem that they have with the shortage of accommodation and services for refugees that are coming and are already in this country. He says that the nature of the services, which he says have improved steadily over many years are now in line with EU law and he said they've been totally mischaracterised and also the Minister for State for Equality, Immigration and Integration that's one of our own uh, Cork based uh, TDs that's David Stanton David said that the benefits that a direct provision centre brings to a community are largely ignored that's an interesting comment from David and he said as many as 60,000 people have lived in direct provision since the system was first formed in 2000 I think everybody will accept it isn't a perfect system but for those that are coming particularly from war-torn countries to them I think certainly when they first land it must uh, seem like a little touch of heaven I think it's where it's wrong it's where people get tied up in the system and they're there for many, many years. I mean, the direct provision centre, when it was introduced in 2000, uh, it was never meant to be, it was never designed for people to be living there for many, many years. I think, you know, the whole idea was that uh, everything would be sorted, their refu- the refugee status would be looked at, a decision would be made, and it would be made in months rather than years. I think they're now trying to sort of get the system sorted within 18 months but even people will say 18 months is too long to live in direct provision. We have children who are growing up in uh, direct provision and the main people who were objecting to the one in Galway they always said that they weren't objecting to refugees coming. They were directing, they were against and they were protesting against the inhumanity of the direct provision centre. and the the system and the way it operates well Minister Flanagan to that is saying that's all well and good but come up with alternative solutions you haven't and it'll be interesting to see will the good people of County Galway particularly that two to three thousand people will they now come back and say this is what we are proposing if you want to bring refugees to this area this is what you need uh, to do and uh, I know I heard one of the main people who were organising, one of the spokespersons for the groups that were protesting, he's, they, they, he, uh, it was a gentleman by the name of uh, Patrick Kerm. Uh, he says, we will go out of our way now to do something positive to welcome refugees in our own way. So we will watch County Galway with great interest to see what will happen there. But Eve's point is that when you look at this and when this direct provision centre is now not going to go ahead, she's saying that it's racist and we've become a very racist uh, country. And I spotted a piece that's making a lot of the papers today that's from our neighbouring county of 
Kerry and it's something that's been happening in Killarney where a complaint has actually been lodged with the Gardaí by a manager of one of the main hotels in Killarney to do with stickers that have gone up on electricity poles along a, a number of roads leading to a number of the hotels and guest houses. They are they're racist. I mean, they're absolutely racist, these particular posters. They're professionally produced notebook-sized stickers and they feature cartoon images of people resembling Muslims, Asians and Roma, Roma and black people. And they've got a bold slogan on it that says, you'll never be Irish. The stickers also featured a signpost with the words Convention Centre. Now that's taken locally to mean as a kind of a reference and a nasty reference to the citizenship ceremonies that have taken place in Killarney in the Convention Centre in recent years. And Gerald Murphy is the Deputy General Manager of the Riverside Hotel in Killarney and he said that the stickers were plastered along Muckras Road and Muckras Road any of you that know Killarney will know it leads to several hotels as well as leading to the major convention centre where the citizenship ceremonies have been held. He said, we have a number of overseas staff in our hotel and this has really upset them. It's absolutely disgusting, he said, and it is disgraceful. Now, in fairness to the hotel and the staff and the management, they went out and they peeled off as many of the stickers as they could. But he said there's still so many of them out there. He said it's ignorant, it's racist and whoever did this is pure stupid. And a spokesperson for Clarny Guard, the station, said the matter was being investigated. Obviously, the fact that people have objected, they're appealing to anybody who knows anything about these uh, posters. Uh, now, I haven't, these are the first of these particular as I say, they are professionally produced posters and stickers. They're the first I've seen. It's coming from Killarney. Maybe they have been spotted in other parts of the country. Maybe they will turn up here in Cork. Only time will tell. So are you with Eve? Have we become a very racist nation? But then it got me thinking of, was it Jer in the last hour who contacted us, who rang John Paul? It was Jer. I don't know where Jer was calling from, but obviously somewhere across Cork City and County. And he reckons it's nothing to do with racism, but he reckons we're just spending too much money on asylum seekers. And he was linking in the homeless crisis that we have in this country, the number of people that are homeless people that are dying on, on our streets even though I know if you dig down to the homeless figures and I say between 40 and 50 homeless people die every year when you dig into those figures many of those deaths would have been to, to do with addiction of course addiction led to their homelessness and yet we object to having people object to having safe injection centres which could stop a lot of those deaths so, you know, it's not as easy as to say we'll take the money out of direct provision and put it into homeless services and that will stop people dying on the streets. I don't think uh, it will. But is it racist for Jar to say that we should stop investing money in direct provision and instead we should put it into homeless services and stop people dying on our streets? Would Jar and others with Jar's view like to say, well, let's take that money and put it into safe injection centres? That certainly would keep some of our homeless people that have died that would certainly keep some of them uh, safe I wonder how many people though would say if we stopped direct provision and took the money would they put it into safe injection centres I think we're back to the point I made when I spoke with Colette Kelleher everybody in principle wants them but not in my backyard 1850 John Paul taking your calls text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs 
part-time office accounts person is wanted for a busy plant hiring quarry that's in the uh, Kilavallon Shambally Moor area. A butcher, fresh meat counterhand wanted, that's for Eurospar store, that's in Skibbereen. While a plasterer is wanted for site and private work, that's around the Carrigaline area. And a home care assistant required for Padre Pier Nursing Home in uh, Churchtown. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And I promise I'll get back to your comments in a moment, but I want to move to a different issue because more than one million people with private health insurance should brace themselves for price hikes of anything up to... €640. So now more than ever, shopping around in advance of your renewal date is so very important. Joining me with words of advice, as always, Dermot Good of TotalHealthCover.ie. Good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, Patricia. Um, You are welcome to the programme. Now, what are the reasons for premiums going up? Is it purely down to people making more claims? Yes, that 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 is that's what's driving this, uh, Patricia. Now, it, it also it, so claims are <clears throat> excuse me on the increase, um, but also it looks like there there are increasing volumes of claims coming from the private hospitals. Um, now, at one level, Patricia, that's not a bad thing. It means more and more people are maybe they're bypassing the public hospitals because of the look, the waiting lists and so forth. And a lot of people just don't trust the public system at the moment. So it looks like an awful lot more people are going into the private system from the very start. Uh, to get their treatment and that's what health insurance is for but what happens is obviously if the volume of claims increases over and above what the insurance companies budgeted for or what they expected based on previous trends then that's why we can expect them to move pretty quickly to pass on rate increases and that's why you know uh, we've seen all the all three companies went up by an average of three to six percent from june to august and now we see irish life and leia healthcare putting through very small increases but other increases again from the first of november i've no doubt the others will follow um or the others will be more increases in in early in the new year and it should be said like bhi went up double what the others went up back in june and july so there's a little bit of catch-up being played here and, and i suppose one other thing i would say patricia as well is that I know for the last 18 months or so, we had a period of flat rates, no mm. rate increases, which obviously is great. But the, the problem with that, unfortunately, is that behind the scenes, claims costs were increasing all the time. You know, medical inflation keeps going up by 4 to 5% each year. So we are playing a little bit of catch up. If we want to be fully covered for all those major procedures, you know, and all, all the public and private hospitals, particularly the private hospitals, unfortunately, we I, I would say to your listeners, they have to be budgeting for at least 5% of an increase um, each year. Now, any of your listeners, Patricia, that are still on the same plan, and, and you know, you and I have had this discussion previously, but if anybody's paying more than €1,800 per adult, um, if anybody has never looked at their cover, if they're afraid to switch, if they're on the old plan Bs and B option schemes and, and all those plans or the old essential pluses or health managers with Leia or the level two hospital schemes with Irish Life, like, you know, those people, Patricia, can avoid the price increases completely, but they can also potentially reduce the premium by 500 to 1,000 per adult. And that, that's not an exaggeration. And it, Dermot, it never ceases to amaze me every single time we have you on and, and I guarantee it'll happen again this week we will always get calls or a text or a letter or an email in in the days afterwards to say thank you for having Dermot go on I was listening to his advice 
took a look at my premium and, and saved money. And I remember the last time I had a lovely letter in from an, a couple in their 70s who had, who felt you were actually speaking to them uh, out through the radio. They were, had been on plan B for years. They had a huge saving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, Patricia, I'm delighted to hear that because look, you know, I know that a lot of your older listeners in particular, they're worried about changing. They, yeah. they think they think that they won't be covered for existing medical conditions. They think they may have to serve waiting periods again or age loadings. Uh, they think that the other other companies wouldn't penalize or penalize them for for claiming all the time. And no, that, that that's completely completely inaccurate. Everything they are used to with their current provider that is actually enshrined in the legislation. So that's the law. So in other words, what I would say to all of your listeners is that look. You know, it doesn't cost you really to look around. And if you haven't looked at other options, you know, some people are shocked. And in fact, what a lot of people would say to us, I can't believe I didn't do this years ago. I've been throwing money away. And we would say, look, better late than never. Right. But health insurance is like any other insurance. And if there's another policy out there and, you know, look, we would always try and see what can we get you with your current provider. So we're not going to switch you just for the sake of it. But sometimes a switch is necessary. And Patricia, once it's managed properly, there will be no break in your cover. You'll understand exactly how the two plans compare and you'll be getting extra benefits in many cases. And if there's any differences in the policies, we'll explain exactly what they are because often they're of no significance whatsoever. And once it's managed properly, you'll be on cover straight away. There'll be no ambiguity at all. And that's why I would say, and and even for any of the the older listeners now who are still worried and confused and don't like shopping over the internet and, and the jargon, let's just say, just confuses them completely, you know, if you have a trusted family friend, a son or daughter, anybody who's used to dealing with the insurers, get them, anybody who knows you, get them to do it for you because the savings are just too significant to ignore. I mean, if it was a couple of hundred euro, you mightn't bother, but like, there's no exaggeration, Patricia, like level two hospital down to the new corporate plans, you know, plan B down to some of the corporate plans, the savings are literally five, six hundred euro per adult and even more in many cases. All right, here's a kind of a typical example of what I always say is, is uh, people are a bit unsure. Uh, somebody by text saying, I had a hip operation done five years ago when I was 65. I always thought that meant I now have to stay with the same insurance company because they covered the cost of my hip operation. Um, good question and absolutely not. So here's the beauty about our health insurance legislation, Patricia. I could have a hip operation today costing €15,000 and let's just say I have to get the other hip done. Mm. I can actually switch to I can stay where I am or I can switch to any one of the other insurance companies and once I switch to an equivalent plan okay um, then they must pay for the other hip straight away simple as that okay and that's the law and the only two questions they can ask you is what plan do you currently have because they want to make sure that you're not trying to bump up your cover because you have an existing condition and the second question is how long do you have that policy and for any of your listeners now once they've had continuous cover for five years or more that means they have served all their pre-existing waiting periods. That means they can never be excluded for an existing condition. It's just a case of making sure that the new plan covers them, gives them the exact same cover that they currently have. So for that particular person, you know, um, in fact, people would say to us, I'm 30, 40 years with the same insurance company. Yeah. Really, it makes no difference. Once you're more than five years, once you've more than five years continuous cover, then that means pre-existing exclusions are off the table. You have your passport, you can travel. That's effectively what it means. So, Patricia, I could be 10 years with, let's say, VHI. I could switch, let's just say, and go to Irish Life Health for two years. 
And then I could go to Leia Healthcare. And when I go to Leia Healthcare, as far as they're concerned, I have 12 years continuous cover. They must take me on, even if I'm about to go in and get a quadruple bypass and get my two hips done and get, let's just say, stents put in and, and otherwise I'm okay. But if I get all those procedures done, the new insurance company must take me on. They must pay for the bills and there's absolutely nothing they can do. And in fact, at the end of that year, I can switch away from them and go back to another insurance company. That's the law. And no insurance company, no health insurer in Ireland can can penalise you. So in other words, if I have all those procedures done and I switch, let's just say, to whatever plan, to a, let's just say a fantastic corporate plan and that might cost €1,500. It will cost me €1,500 irrespective of any surgeries I have. I'll be charged the exact same as a healthy 26-year-old, and that's the law in this country. So and, the and legislation it, is very protective. Yeah, and it makes no difference. You're going to get the very same treatment in the hospital because the hospitals don't care who's paying them as long as they get paid. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, look, what we would say, you know, the other, the other big mistake that a lot of consumers make on health insurance is that, for, well, there's two mistakes. First of all, they correlate the amount they're paying with the value of the plan. And that's completely wrong. So anybody, for example, anybody on the old plan B options, two and a half thousand euro, it's now called health plus extra, or essential plus excess with Leia Healthcare, which is 2,700, or the Irish Life Level 2 Hospital, 2791. All three very good plans, but very expensive. Now, the reason those plans are so expensive is not because they have unbelievable extra benefits on them. It's because they've been on the market between 10 and 30 years. That's why they're so expensive. And people need to realise they need to be looking to upgrade their cover each year to make sure they're on a plan that's on the market maybe two, three, four years because the price will be lower. Um, and that's the, that's the mistake that a lot of people make. The second mistake, Patricia, that people make is they don't check their cover in advance. So it doesn't matter if you're on the gold place of plan or you're on a basic plan. If you have to get an MRI scan done or a day case procedure or you're going into hospital for something minor, it doesn't matter if you're told by the doctor or the secretary or your friends that you, you should be fine. You must check everything with the insurance company in advance. And if they tell you you're covered, you are covered, and that is recorded against your policy, you will not have any issues. And that's why we tell everybody to, to check everything in advance, no matter what plan they have. But the problem now a lot of your listeners is going to have, like anybody on that plan B options, they're a retired couple, Patricia. They're facing an extra bill of three hundred and eighty euro. That's a lot of money away. on on Absolutely. a fixed and a retired couple on a fixed income. And that's it, and you know, and all the savings that they got with VHI over the last two years, they're now all wiped out in many cases. Um, so we're now back to the grind in terms of health insurance, which is very important for a lot of people, um, particularly given the waiting list that people have to deal with in the public system. So having good cover has never been more important. But you don't want to be overpaying. And unfortunately now, a lot of your listeners are going to have to go out and shop again because of the rising rates. And a lot of them, Patricia, renew on the 1st of January, which is yeah. the busiest. I think 400,000 people renew on the 1st of January. I'm, one, I'm one of those. I'm one of those. And the <laughs> renewal comes in, you know, that time in December when you're busy anyway with pre- preparing for Christmas and getting ready for Christmas. And you have a tendency to think, oh God, I have to go through all this again. Exactly. That you might, actually, I'll just pay it off. It can be the worst yeah. time. But you need, you really need to shop this year. You do. And what we would say to people is, look, you can actually even do it before the renewal notice lands. Because, like, you know, like we have people now who, who are renewing the 1st of January, 
but they're, con- they're all being booked in in November and early December for renewals because they know it's a crazy time and they know even if they phone the insurance company getting through in December and January yeah. you could be on the phone yeah. half an hour queuing yeah. so we would say to anybody now who's worried about the rising cost who wants to do a review and do it properly do it as far in advance as you can because it just gives you plenty of time to box it off get it all bedded down well before the renewal date and it gives you plenty of time. You don't want to be rushing these decisions. And a lot of people leave it too late. And by the way, that's the, that's the other, the biggest mistake in health insurance is what we call auto renewals. And this is where people, because of inertia or fear or because they're just too busy or whatever it might be, Patricia, they mm. do nothing. They just let their policy roll up. Okay. And the insurance companies like those customers. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. They, they don't put them under any pressure. They don't, you know, engage. And if you don't phone up the insurance company and engage, well, then you're going to be paying too much. And two of the things I would say in that now, Patricia, as well, all your listeners need to be very careful. There are some health insurance comparison websites um, on the market, and, and these are fine, they're, they're, but they're there as a guide only. And we would say to everybody, never make your final decision based on one of those sites. They are not intended to give advice. They're not allowed to give any advice. And if there's any errors on the website, you know, you have no comeback whatsoever. So we would always say to people, if you find a plan on one of these sites, you know, brilliant, it's a guide only. You must engage with your health insurer or get uh, get an advisor who specialises in this. And there's lots of advisors around the country who do this. But get somebody who knows their stuff to basically go through with a fine two comb and make sure it is the right one for you. And then then if you're happy, off you go. And, and then you go with it. Okay, hi. Uh, could you ask Dermot, please? I've never had health insurance. I'm 53. Is there some reasonable plan out there for me now at 53? Never had health insurance. Yeah, well, what I would say to that person is, look, okay, good news and bad news. Uh, the, let's just say the, the, um, the, the good news is that there's plans there that anybody can join regardless of the rate. Okay, so that's the good news. Now, the second thing is there's, there's plans out there, Patricia, that cost about €950. Euro. So, for example, the benefit plan with Irish Life, super cover. The Essential Health 300 with Leia, 962. The benefit plan is 950. And VHI have a plan called the One Plan 250, which is, is uh, 896. We would actually prefer the Irish Life one or the Leia plan over the VHI one. So that's what I'd suggest that member or that person looks at. But one thing they need to bear in mind, they're 53. They are 19 years over the threshold. So, Patricia, they will have a 19 by 2%. They will have a 38% loading on their premium because of their age. Okay. So, and there's no way around that. Like, you know, we know everything. That got introduced book, a few years ago. Exactly. So yeah. they're going to have to pay that. The longer they leave it to join, the higher the loading will be. Yeah, yeah, Once they join, the loading is fixed for, and they have to pay for 10 years. But they're the three plans they should look at starting off. Okay. And the other one is uh, somebody saying, can, can you have a different uh, plan for different members of the household? You, you can, can't you? Absolutely. And it's a very good tactic, what we call splitting cover. So, for example, we would always encourage people to look at these corporate plans that anybody can join. They are the best value. Um, in the market for most people. But yes, like when you think about it, you know, I could have myself, my, let's just say, my my spouse and my mother-in-law on the policy, but we all have very different requirements. So picking one plan for me and putting everybody on that plan, that kind of makes it very easy for the insurance companies. And it does lead to over-insurance and overpaying. So we would always suggest, listen, everybody has different requirements. Look at the requirements for each person. And yes, you can have everybody on the one policy all on different plans to suit their needs. So that's exactly what you should be doing. Okay. All right. A pleasure as always to talk to you, Dermot. You're always a mine of information. Thank you for that. And uh, we'll talk again. God bless. Bye-bye. That is uh, Dermot Good of TotalHealthCover.ie. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103.
C103 Anthems. The biggest songs of all time. C103 Anthems. Songs that continue to inspire generations. Songs that continue to inspire generations. Anthems. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's greatest hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between. We've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103 And I can see some gardening questions coming in for Peter Dowdle. He'll join us in about an hour's uh, time. So if you have a gardening question, uh, get it in. It's a glorious, glorious day out there today. So maybe people are spending time outdoors and do because I'd say we won't be spending much time outdoors over the next two days with the weather forecast and this tracking of Storm Lorenzo. I think we're stopping calling it Hurricane Lorenzo. I think it's gone down to Storm Lorenzo. Uh, and actually at about 20 past 12, we will be speaking with Alan O'Reilly, weather expert from Carlo Weather. He'll be joining us just to give us the very latest on Storm Lorenzo. And obviously we are keeping in with Met Aaron as well and with Cork County Council. And if they issue any alerts, uh, we'll be the first to bring it to you. 1850 now today on our Awalia series which offers free mortgage arrears support we look at people who are afraid to talk and engage with their banks for fear of their home being repossessed. Joining me is John O'Callaghan of KPMG who is a personal insolvency practitioner known as a PIP. Uh, good morning to you John. Good morning, how are you? Uh, I'm very well and, and you're welcome. Now there's been a lot of media coverage, John, of celebrities having very large, elaborate homes repossessed. All of those stories and that media attention, do you find that that's frightening some people? I, I, I do. I do find it frightening people. And I find that people in some media and some commentators are giving a very negative um, opinion out into the, you know, the, into the public, into the public um, forum in regard to this. And yet, what I would say to people is that if somebody who is in celebrity status and seems to have a big house can avail of this and retain a house that in some people's eyes is big, then people should have more faith in the process, not less faith. These people, the names in the public forum, have gone through the ringer too. And they've had their in, their individual finances assessed. And they've had their repayment uh, capability assessed, not only by the PIP and the creditors, but also in these cases by the High Court. And the Court has determined 
that they must make the payments. And they live in exactly the same life as we do now hereafter. So people should get great confidence on this. And what's even more interesting because of the Iwalia scheme is that the solicitors and the barristers that took those cases for those celebrities are exactly the same solicitors and barristers that are available through our offices. So, for example, if I'm dealing with Joe Soap from Cork, who wants to protect his house, and we have to go through the same court process, the same solicitor that the celebrities had, he will have wow. through the Iwalia scheme. Wow. And the That's same barrister that the celebrities had, he will have through the Iwalia scheme. That's I was good. just talking to that barrister this morning. That's good to know. That's good to know. Do you believe, John, that there is a solution for everyone? I've been at this since... I even was looking at this since the act was being written. I, I was working for a particular charity and with the opportunity to provide, you know, um, public uh, forum counselling to the drafting of the act. We, I was there as a PIP in the first batch of PIPs that came out in 2013. And since 2013, right through to now, nearly in 2020, I have not had a case where we haven't been able to propose a solution that saves the house. And I still have the proud record. <laughs> and every day I say it, I touch wood. We haven't lost the house yet. That's some track record. I'm I'm very happy with it, but I get terrified when I say it. I know, <laughs> I know. And John, would they, when you would have met with a lot of those families and couples or individuals, when you first would have met with them, were they of the belief that they were going to lose their home? Many were. Yeah. Many, many were. And, and very, very common statements that I hear are, I must be the worst case you've ever seen. <laughs> well, un- unless you've got 98 million of debt, you're not. Okay? <laughs> okay. So that's number one. Number two, people say to me, oh yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm very I'm really upset by this, but I don't want to go insolvent. Now, that's like an alcoholic saying, if I go to Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm convincing everyone I'm an alcoholic. The problem exists before you take the cure. In other words, when people can't pay their debts, they are insolvent. Yeah. When these letters are coming in, demanding this, extorting that, panic and stress, they are insolvent. You're already there. Don't use the label, I don't want to go insolvent, as though that was a slur. I've dealt with cases, I meet people every day. I have appointments today, I have appointments tomorrow. Very, 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 very few, less than 1% of those cases will ever be known by anybody. And the only day they're known is if they have to go all the way to the high court and some journalist was having a quiet day. You know? Yeah. And, and, and yet, when you, when, when you talk about insolvency, uh, John, I, I know, and, and I will probably get a call or a text in from people who will say, oh, insolvency is just a way for people who simply don't want to pay to get out of paying their mortgage. Okay, that's, that I look at every day and I hear that every day. I, I, I would suggest that people who say that would walk a week, not even in the shoes of my clients, but just walk with me for a week, a day, and you'd see the stress that people are in. Yeah. I've yet to meet with, well, no, that's not fair. I have met with a very, very small percentage of people who have the, well, I don't want to pay behavior. I just didn't bother behavior. 
are, and that's a very, very small percentage. And we disengage pretty quickly with those. They don't go through processes because they just don't fit to these processes. And there's no hiding place in the schemes that, that are available through this Act because everything must be revealed to the court, to the creditors, to the ISI. Everybody sees what's happening in this process in regard to the people who matter, not the public now, but the court look at all the documents. The creditors, the mortgage provider who's been seeking SFSs and should have a whole application gets to look at every single detail we deal with. What we find is that some people have had a history where they met barstool barristers and they met very intelligent people who just didn't have the right idea and said the best way to get attention now is not to pay your mortgage. And those people follow that advice. That is bad advice. That's the worst advice. The best way to get stress, heart attack, lead yourself to, honest to God, stomach ulcers, I mean this, strokes that we've met, people having heart attacks and people doing worse things in regard to you know, suicide thoughts yeah. and suicide actions. And, and and we if we really did, it's not my job to, but if we really pared it back, when you stop paying your mortgage, the way to avoid all that stress and grief is go find a PIP. And a PIP won't tell you stop paying your mortgage. A PIP will say, based on your income, this is as much as you can pay. Let's get that level done. And then we get the rest sorted out. Yeah, I had a, fr- a friend of mine and her dad, unfortunately, uh, ended his life uh, through suicide for financial difficulties. Uh, but really, and he was a lovely man, he never stopped to think about what he'd left behind. And then it was his wife picking up the pieces who ended up yeah. going to a pip and getting it sorted and saying, if only he had yeah. done that that day instead of yeah shocking tell me I I, I love to hear positive case stories tell me about the lady who had the large house that was in trouble with uh, her mortgage yeah we we did now we're very careful about discretion here and we don't want to give away anyone's situation but some people get very worried because they say I've got a large house and yes I do believe that I can sort it out and I fear that the banks want to take my house Now, if you're not paying your mortgage, that's more than a fear. This situation for this person was that there were three generations living in the house. Okay. Now, the bank are only going to deal with the borrower. But they're not monsters either. I mean, they've got reputations, of course. But the truth of the matter is that once the full story is laid out, the bank are able to go, okay, so we're, we're actually dealing with granny here. And we've got daughter and we've got younger kids again. And then when we dug in to find the full story, we find that there were developmental issues with the with the grandchildren and, and there was a very strong need for having familial support. The good news in this story was that the bank were able to listen to that and put the whole finances of the family situation together. Because we're not in the old two parents living in house with two yeah, point seven yeah. kids. But There's they but they took on board the, the, the bank took on board the human side to that story. Yes. No. Yeah. They took it on board to listen to the financial side. Okay. And once they were able to accept that the human side was real, and and we can't just contact the bank and say, "Oh, but there's developmental issues, so you got to stop." You, you got to show what the development issues are and get doctors' reports and whatever. So there is not just a kind of get out of jail card for any particular solution or any particular situation. 
But once due work and decent effort is made, and that's what PIPs do, that's what they're trained to do, once we get in and show the actual medical, mathematical financial supporting the medical, the long distance of what is needed to be done to get the solutions for the youngest of the three generations and therefore the support for the mom and therefore the house for the, for the parents and they're all going to live there and we could show all of that then the bank said okay and where's the financials that back that up and once the financials backed it up the bank were able to come up with a solution that said okay it might be a rather large house it might be a situation where we thought too parents who were supposed to be empty nesters, you know, kids gone, we're living in. Now that we know the full story and we can see how our money is paid, let's go with this. Okay. So your your advice today, there's a solution for everyone and don't bury your head in the sand believing this problem will go away because it won't. It, it doesn't go away. Not challenging it makes it worse. Talking to a PIP, every single person I meet, this is the absolute most uniform comment. They say, I feel so much better after the first meeting. And that to us makes us get up in the morning and fight again for the next person. Yeah, that sense of, of relief. Um, Absolutely. is a solution. It takes over somebody's life to the point of not eating, not sleeping. Yeah, it does. Um like, I'm not immune to having debt issues either, initially. We, like, lots and lots and lots of the population got caught up in this situation in the, you know, 2000s, noughties, whatever they're called, maybe probably called properly. It, it gets you in your stomach when you get the letter, your handshake, everything. You, you can't function properly. It's an extremely stressful situation. The home is at risk, and sometimes... It, natural thought processes don't work because of stress. But that's why there's trained people out there and that's why the government has invested in the Iwaldi scheme to make sure that it doesn't even cost some people. Okay, it is it is a free service and people can contact uh, Iwalia on 0761 uh, John, thank you for that. And uh, we'll talk again, but thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. You're very welcome. Good Thank morning you. to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, John O'Callaghan, who is a PIP, a personal solvency practitioner known as the PIP, and he's with uh, KPMG. Please, uh, if we can just get that message out to people, uh, do not bury your head in the sand. There is help and free help and advice available to you. And it's great to hear from John that in all of his years doing this work, He's never lost a house and they found a solution for everyone. So hopefully there's a solution for you as well. OK, we need to take a break. We've news at 12 midday on the way. Continue to get your gardening questions in for Peter, please. 1850 Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And also in the next hour, the very latest on Storm Lorenzo. Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from 1. C103. I'm in Skibbereen for the West Cork Food Festival. Mark, now you do what looks like the most beautiful chocolate I've ever seen. We do the best chocolates known to humanity and then we get funky. We've got flavours from lavender, rosemary and lemon to pistachio and raspberry to blueberry and earl grey tea. Do you have to taste test all this? Yes, I do. I taste test and I get the ones that are damaged or fall on the floor. Join me weekday afternoons from 1C103. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school uh, in detention. My best friend met his 
his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Keep your gardening questions coming in, please. I can see them coming in hot and heavy uh, for our uh, Peter. So keep them coming. 1850 And you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Let me catch up with some of your calls and comments though coming into the programme. We've been talking about asylum seekers and refugees and direct provision and how are we becoming a racist country this morning on the programme. Margaret says, Patricia, I have absolutely no objection whatsoever to asylum seekers coming into an area once the area can accommodate them and do it with consultation with the local community. However, says Margaret, I would have a cut-off. Ten would be the maximum number, particularly in a small community where school places are limited and where we can take care of our own first, says uh, Margaret. And I saw somebody else, I just can't find the comment, thank you for that Margaret, who was kind of making the very same point as Margaret in saying that the problem that we have is when asylum seekers come in to an area or refugees come into an area and if it's an area that is already under pressure maybe for example the doctor's surgery is already full and and then the doctor has to accommodate these extra people in the area and then some local person tries to get an appointment say at the doctor and they can't because all the appointments are gone that causes animosity and people get annoyed and then whether it's because the extra people are in the area or not people have a tendency to think oh it's because all of those asylum seekers that are all in at the doctor so I can't get an appointment with with the doctor and that in itself causes uh, problems so Margaret and that other listener who contacted us is right. I mean, if if we are to accommodate refugees or asylum seekers into an area, we have to make sure that that area is in a position that it has the services to accommodate the extra people coming in. Be it now in small communities, school places are usually not an issue. They're usually thrilled to have the extra number, the extra pupils in the school. But because because by, because by having extra pupils, it may even mean that they're going to get our will be able to retain a teacher so that usually uh, is a very welcome boost to a very rural area but we need to make sure that the services are there but I also think key to Margaret's really good text is consultation with local people how often have we seen that is when it's through the grapevine somebody hears that it's the very same thing that happened in Oak Road in County Galway and also happened in McCroom there was never any public consultation in advance of a decision being made to open an asylum centre, a refugee centre, direct provision centre. Now, obviously the law dictates that the government don't have to do that. And I suppose when you see what's happened in Galway, the ministers will probably say, sure, if we announce in advance, we'll never get any of the direct provision centres open because everybody's in agreement with them, but nobody wants them in in their backyard. But maybe Margaret's um, answer is right as well. Smaller numbers disperse them all over the country so that no one area has this huge direct provision centre where then 
the poor people who are living in the centre feel isolated as well because they can't in any way integrate in the community. Whereas if you put a smaller number into an area, there's probably more chance of them uh, integrating. Thank you for your text, Margaret, to 086 to 103 103. On retiring and retiring well, here's a, and an issue that we didn't get to it today, but we will get to it tomorrow. It's research showing that some, not all, some retirees out of boredom end up sitting at home and they snack too much they eat too much they overeat and they end up putting on weight and it can lead to all kinds of health problems and more worrying uh, sometimes they'll binge drink they'll start drinking every night oh I don't have to go for work in the morning and one drink can lead to two to three to four and before they know it they're binging so many nights a week this texter says I'm a granny minding my grandchildren and we do eat too much when we're at home but over the years I noticed this and I started to put on weight last year says our lovely granny. I decided to do something about it. I went to Swimming World and I have lost, Slimming World, I have lost nearly two stone in weight. How did I do it? Just by eating properly. And I feel so much better, by the way. I'm I'm 72. Well done. And obviously turning into a very glamorous granny, having lost nearly two stone in weight. Keep it up. That's terrific. And certainly those grandchildren will keep you on your toes and they'll keep you active for sure. Uh, On retirement and people suggesting, would you not volunteer? That people should volunteer and the number of people that have come out and said that and how it has changed their life completely when they retired when they started to notice the boredom was setting in depression in one case was setting in decided I'm going to do something about it big beautiful world out there there are many wonderful organisations that are looking for volunteers let's go out and volunteer and Tanetta McCroom says the Irish Cancer Society are always looking for volunteer drivers I, I think that's a wonderful thing to do and Tanetta obviously does it out of McCroom says it's very rewarding and it's only about two days every few weeks and the idea is the volunteer drivers you'll pick up a patient who'll need to go up to one of the Cork hospitals be it for radium treatment or chemotherapy. And they're, you know, people who don't have a family member available to collect them and go with them. And literally all you have to do is drive them up and then wait around and then pick them up and bring them back home again. And we have heard over the years of the most wonderful friendships having been formed and great support from the person driving, the volunteer driver, but wonderful, wonderful friendships. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a terrific thing to do. So Irish Cancer Society, if anybody has free time and you'd like to be a volunteer driver. And then there was a lovely, where was it gone? There was a lovely WhatsApp in from Marion from Moy. Thank you, Mary, for this. Mary says, may I take this golden opportunity to jump in on your discussion on retirees? I run a busy charity shop in North Cork and would gladly love any retiree to come on board with us. He or she doesn't need any qualifications as I will train them up. Just a few hours of their time. That's all that we ask. If there's anybody interested out there, can they please get in contact with me? My number is 85 8568601 Mary in her text says we have a great bunch of volunteers and we are like a family good laughs and we truly enjoy what we do all of our proceeds go 
to working for the elderly. And I'm sure sure you will all have a loved one who is ageing our elderly. So people, please pick up the phone. Give us a couple of hours of your retirement time. And thanks, by the way, says Marion Fomoy to all of our customers and volunteers. Isn't that terrific? Well done. And uh, so if anybody's in the Fomoy area, retired, I mean, if you're not retired and you have a few hours to spare that you'd like to help out with that shop, proceeds going to working for the elderly Marion from I would love to hear from you and well done to all of the volunteers there and indeed the many many fantastic charity shops that are dotted across Cork City and County if you live near one and you have free time why not pop in speak to them tell them what you can do or can't do if you can give up an hour or two a week maybe you'll be able to do a day a week they will slot you in I guarantee you uh, 1850 and I promise we will come back to this issue in more detail uh, tomorrow now a number of people have contacted us following as they always do following our chat with Dermot Good of totalhealthcare.ie offering advice to people offering advice to all of us when your premium comes in for your health insurance we really do need to shop around this year because all of the premiums have gone up and the one thing Dermot was saying is get advice from people if you can't go online and do it yourself to take advice a number of people are saying where including one WhatsApp in from somebody saying where in Cork can we find these advisors on health insurance that's from Catherine that Dermot uh, uh, that Dermot where I spoke with mentioned I asked John Paul because he's kind of our, our expert having in a former life worked in insurance he was saying if you go to any broker most brokers will deal with health insurance so Catherine I don't know where you're texting from what part of Cork so if you, if you check out with a, with a broker and see do they do uh, private health insurance or if anybody else knows of brokers who specifically work with private health insurance in the Cork area can you let us know because a number of people have contacted us you know we're always everything seems to be going online but not everybody has access to online including was a column in Butterfield uh, to say he doesn't have broadband where he lives so he's he can't get onto any of uh, the websites because I know and I checked in I, I, I took a quick look at Dermot Goods because Dermot is totalhealthcover.ie and Obviously, one of the services that they offer, besides the really great to us, the media, when they come on with their words of advice, they offer a service where they give impartial advice across all of their 330, would you believe, health insurance plans. But it's a fee. It's a, it's someone's asking how much. It's 125 euro is what Dermot Goods Company charges. And that's for a family or an individual policy and they'll cover all aspects of the review, irrespective of how long it takes. Um, and I would be... You know, I'm not here to advertise for Derma, but uh, somebody who has been that case that we always use an older couple who have been on Plan B probably since the day they got married and decided to take out health insurance. They are paying way, way over the odds. They will save hundreds of euro. So it's well worth them getting a review uh, done for sure. But it's uh, totalhealthcover.ie. It is telephone-based. The service is normally phone-based. But when I've gone to his website, you have to submit your name, address and your email and you give the details and then obviously they'll they'll contact uh, you. Can't find a telephone number for him, so sorry. I'm again directing you to online which is totalhealthcover.ie. But as I say, John Paul says if you go to any broker, they should be able to sort you out. And thank you to somebody who rang in to say that there is a concrete, concrete posts 
are after falling off a truck and they're on the verge on the Skull Road out of Skibbereen. And the person who contacted us said they're actually a bit of a danger that if you're pulling in, you could end up hitting the post and not realising they're there. So please be careful if you're leaving Skibbereen and heading out the Skull Road. Be careful for those concrete posts until somebody gets out there and actually moves them on. Maybe whichever truck they've fallen off have, has realised they've lost part of their load and will head back. And while we're talking about West Cork and I wish all of the shops and the businesses on Skull Main Street the very best of luck. They were impacted by flooding two nights ago and someone has been on to say Patricia would you wish them all the best. It was I saw some pictures up on Facebook it was like muddied water they were brushing out of their shops. It's horrible to have any kind of a flood like that so uh, we're thinking of all the wonderful shops and businesses in Skull on Main Street and hopefully you're back up running and back to normal again and a nice encouragement for local people support local, support those shops please. This week more than ever after an event like that they could do with your uh, business. John and Cove says all those asylum seekers should be shipped back to where they came from there is too much airtime given over to them we should look after our own first 1850 333103 I think that's an update on all of our calls coming in the rest of the calls and texts coming in I can see our four Peter Dowdle keep those questions uh, coming you can call John Paul or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie Anam Cara The organisation that supports bereaved parents They're hosting a parent support evening tonight 20 past 7 The Clayton Hotel in Cork City The Liam O'Connor Show With special guests The wonderful Brian Kennedy And the Boherbui Comprehensive School Choir They'll be in the Church of the Immaculate Conception In Boherbui tonight it's going to be a great concert kicking off at 8 o'clock. Tickets are available from the school or by calling 087 2296 000. Archaeological and Historical Society are presenting a film evening in Copine with Tim Crowley and his brother Tom. They will show their new films Shadows and Bandon at War. That's on tonight at half past eight. All are welcome. And the monthly meeting in honour of St. Pio is on in St. Joseph's Church in Lismar tonight at 8. All are welcome. And the music room in Boherbui, that will be held tomorrow Thursday at 8. There will be varied music to suit all tastes and all are welcome. And Pink Ribbon Day, that's on this Friday with pins and ribbons on sale throughout the Newmarket area. And Pink Ribbon Day is, of course, in aid of the Irish Cancer Society. Now, there has been great uncertainty over the last few days over the path of Hurricane Lorenzo and whether or not it is set to track right over Ireland. Joining me with the very latest is Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. Uh, good, mor- good afternoon to you, Alan. Good afternoon, Patricia. And, and you're welcome to the programme. How bad do you expect it to get? Well, certainly Lorenzo is going to uh, be a very large and powerful storm as it tracks up along the west coast of Ireland. It, it will become extropical, which, which means basically it will no longer be a hurricane status, um, probably in the next 12 hours. But it will still be very strong, very large. Um, the question then is when it takes an easterly to southeasterly turn towards Ireland and tracks across Ireland. The latest model suggests it may travel a little bit further north, but it really doesn't take much of a change in terms of 100 miles north or south or east or west has a big impact on where it sees the strongest winds. And certainly the, the west coast and the southwest coast is at particular risk 
of the strongest of these winds, which could be in excess of 130 kilometres an hour on the coast, but up to 130 kilometres an hour inland. The other issue that you have is there's going to be an absolutely large sea swell. So the eastern side of Lorenzo is going to bring some very large seas, which obviously will present some real risks to uh, to the west and southwest coast, with some coastal flooding very likely. Um, hard to say exactly where it'll hit and when exactly it'll hit, but certainly overnight Thursday night into early Friday morning, you're looking at some very strong winds, some heavy rain, risk of some thunderstorms at times, and then that very large sea swell bringing some coastal flooding along with it. So while you're still um, monitoring it and watching what way it's it's tracking, is would it be safe to say that there will be no escape for the coastal areas, even if it continues to track north, they'll still be affected? Yeah, it, it's safe to say at this stage that, that Lorenzo is certainly going to impact the West Coast. It's really just a matter of where sees the worst of it. Um, and it may, it may well be that, that it further inland there's a bigger impact or a lesser impact. But along the West Coast, there's, there's, there's no really escape from Lorenzo at this stage. All the weather models are in consensus now that it will track along the West Coast. And one of the things I kind of would stress, uh, Patricia, is that tomorrow morning the winds will increase um, as it passes up along the West Coast. But it'll actually ease off then a little bit. So I don't want people to become complacent and think, was that it? That Was that all it was? Because it's when it takes that turn back in towards land tomorrow evening is when it really is going to start ramping up in terms of wind speeds and the rain. So it, it, it might give people a false sense that, it, that the system has passed. Now, the only good thing is, is that the worst of the storm will be late Thursday night into Friday morning. So hopefully the majority of people will be inside, maybe even tucked up in their beds when the worst hit. But obviously some people work late or work early in the morning and will be commuting. So heed the weather warnings. Um, they, are, they are there for a reason. And certainly Lorenzo is going to hit us. It's just a question of how badly really at this stage. Because I was, I said earlier, it's like the calm before the storm. We have a beautiful day here in Cork today and, and the, well, it was a chilly start, but the sun is shining and with this, you know, wonderful autumn uh, sunshine. So today is very much a day, you know, somebody said trampolines in the garden is to get out in the garden, move garden furniture, things like that, particularly those that are listening to us in West Cork. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, this is very much the calm before the storm. The high pressure is over at the moment. A lovely day across the country after a cold start. But definitely, if you have anything that, that's you know loose in the garden, uh, today is the day to tie it down. Don't wait till tomorrow. The other thing as well is if you have people, especially, I suppose, in, in parts of Cork, coastal areas, that maybe have uh, boats, etc., and they're thinking about maybe I need to get down and secure them. Again, today is the day to do that don't leave it till tomorrow because it will be rather rough really from the start of tomorrow even though the worst of it will be tomorrow evening and tomorrow night it, it won't be a nice day tomorrow so today is the opportunity to get any of those those jobs done really um, the other thing is obviously this time of the year you have trees in full leaf mm. we've had quite a bit of rainfall recently so you know there will be there will be a big impact on trees this time of the year like a 90 kilometre an hour gust to a tree that's in full leaf on wet ground it can often have a bigger impact than maybe a 110 kilometre an hour wind would have That's in January point. or February. Because when the leaves are, are, are bare, you know, when the trees are bare, the wind blows through them, but they're now carrying that wind. So trees coming down and power outages, again, especially people in West Cork and that prepare for power, which is not charge up the batteries and those kind of common sense things, really, because fallen trees are probably going to be the biggest problem. And you say heed the weather warnings. Where are we at with weather warnings? Status orange, status yellow? 
Yeah, so status orange really for most of the West Coast um, with just kind of Donegal escaping at the moment. That comes into effect um, for Cork and the other areas from 6 o'clock um, tomorrow evening and it lasts okay. until 3am. But there is a yellow wind warning then for the whole country which comes into effect much earlier at 9 o'clock tomorrow and that lasts until 6am on Friday morning. So the worst of it is during that orange window, uh, weather warning window. But as I say, not going to be a pleasant day tomorrow and it will be quite windy. So get get the, get the bits and pieces done today if you can. And what is making, I mean, we've been talking about Lorenzo now for the last few days. What is making this particular hurricane so remarkable? Well, it came out of Africa about nine days ago as a storm. It quickly developed into a hurricane and then it became what's known as a major hurricane, which means it was a category three or above. But it continued to increase in intensity over the warm waters off the west coast of Africa and it became a category five. So it's the furthest east and the furthest north that a category five hurricane has ever been recorded in the Atlantic. That's what makes it an exceptional event. Um, that track then is obviously taking a northeast track. Most people that look at hurricanes, you normally see them, you know, starting off in the Atlantic and then tracking west towards Bahamas and into the east coast of America. That's kind of the normal what we see. But because of where this has formed, it's very similar to Ophelia in terms of it's taking a north track and it loses the warm water then because it needs temp- sea surface temperatures of 26 degrees or above to sustain a hurricane status. But the problem is, as it tracks north, then it, while it loses the heat and, and the energy from the warm waters, it starts interacting then with the jet stream and the other low-pressure systems and the difference in the upper air temperatures. And that's what continues to keep it in somewhat intensity as it tracks towards Ireland. Now, it will very quickly decrease as it tracks in over Ireland, but, but in terms of maintaining its strength, it's quite unusual. And that's just one other thing to mention is, for the areas that do see the impact of these winds, it's not going to blow through very quickly. It will be kind of six, seven, maybe even eight hours of very Whoa, strong Oh, that's a long time. Yeah, so it's going, where it does, where, where does, where, on the south part of the hurricane centre or storm centre, as it will be when it tracks into Ireland, that's where you're going to see the strongest winds. And if you end up in that location, then you will see those winds for, for, for hours, really, unfortunately. Okay, so heed the weather warnings. And do we need to be buying in the bread? Um, I'm not so sure I'd be, be going mad buying bread. We might, <laughs> might hold off on that until we get the cold weather. But certainly uh, I'd be making sure everything that is charged, that can be charged well up, is charged up. Well done. Listen, pleasure to talk to you, Alan. Thank you for that. And Thank uh, thanks you. for joining us. Uh, bye bye. That is Alan O'Reilly. Uh, Carlo uh, Weather, if you follow him on Twitter, you'll know he's, he's always spot on. And he's got an amazing website as well, uh, Carlo Weather. Dot com eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Let's park storm Lorenzo there and hope that all of the gardens survive. If you've got a gardening question, let's focus our attention on that now. Let's take a break and we're back with Peter Dowdle after these. This is the Court Today replay on C one zero three. On this glorious uh, autumnal day, Peter Dowdle talks all things gardening to us. Good afternoon to you, Peter. I was just thinking the same thing last evening, Trish. It was such a lovely, real autumny evening. It was it was cold, but it was bright and it was lovely. And today's another beautiful autumn day. And actually, this morning there was gorgeous red in the sky. It was it was fabulous. And as I've just been talking with Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather about the calm before the storm, he was suggesting that people need to, to use today to check out your garden. And he was talking about the fact that the trees are in full leaf. With any kind of a, a stormy weather, a lot of damage can be done. Well, you must be delighted to come home f- 
we all love the holiday. You were <laughs> in the Caribbean, isn't it? Yeah, I was. Yeah, w- uh, watching a lot of um, tropical storms actually. But I yeah. was going to say you'd be more. You'd expect a hurricane over there. So, well, so, more so than here. Somebody said the hurricanes are following me home, and they did. But anyway, <laughs> go on. <laughs> anyway, no, you're quite right. That, 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 uh, that's absolute good advice. And uh, like I'm always advising people, even during the summer months, and that just keep an eye on the trees because if you can take restorative actions so or preventative action, in other words, if you can. Like when the storm hits, who knows how bad it's going to be when it hits. But when the storm hits, nature takes no prisoners, if you like. It's not going to worry if a tree is going to come down. It's not going to worry about private property or garages or even human life, unfortunately. So if we can do something today and if we see that there's a tree that's looking a bit unstable or there's ivy going through it and you think it might be at risk, well, you know, if you can get it, some, a job done on it carefully before the storm gets here, then so much the better. And and other things like any, you know, just I mean, common sense stuff like but like make sure windows and the sheds and that are closed. Make sure anything in the garden that can blow around, like summer parasols or even trampolines and things like that. If just have a look, because they'll do untold damage, as you know. We saw the pictures in Ophelia, obviously, with with trampolines going across gardens and things like that. So anything that you might have in the garden that loose furniture, parasols, just put them away. Put them Make sure that they can't be got at by the wind. Uh, as I say, trees, branches, anything like that that might be overhanging or might be a potential risk. Certainly, you can try and get somebody today to to remove it before before the storm comes. Okay, and let me start with a very positive text in from a listener saying, "Hi, Patricia. Would you ever thank Peter for recommending Back to Black Company? What a great crew who did a great job on my tarmac. It looks like new after them. So thanks a million, Peter. I love they're very welcome, and I love yeah. I love positive texts. Yeah, and that and, and we got great reaction from that. Um, that company must be de- delighted with this because ev- everyone be, yeah. everyone that we've sent their way has, has said the same thing. And, yeah. and my my WhatsApp service has literally just gone down. Oh, it's because on the wrong time, but." bright and early this morning by WhatsApp a listener was on to say knows it's a bit early but a bit of advanced planning she wants to know what you can suggest for her to plant as just back uh, for her to plant in the garden for a communion next May this is Eileen in Clonakilty so she wants to do a bit of advanced planning and just to, as she says in her text I'd like to have a nice show for May for a first holy communion I'm season always, I'm always uh, uh hesitant I suppose is the right word when when somebody asks me what what can I plant now that could be a flower on either a specific date or a specific week because you see I, I, and I will give you some suggestions now but nature doesn't always play by the rules so we could have a late season or we could have an early season so uh, for me I would certainly say tulips alliums uh, and plants like that will still be showing great colour uh, and now is the time to plant those so if you get your tulip bulbs or allium bulbs get them in now um, and they and like I've said on your program before, Trish, if you stagger the planting, so if you stagger, if you, let's say, plant, depending on how many you want in the garden altogether, but if you plant, let's say, 10 or 20 of them today, then 10 or 20 next week, then 10 or 20 the following week, um, then you're, you're, you're kind of, if you stagger the planting, you're going to stagger the flowering period. Yeah, which and is every great. chance of having it at the right weekend. And those numbers may sound big, but actually they're not when it comes to flower bulbs. Uh, so I, w- I would plant flower bulbs en masse, plant lots of them for display. You're also looking at things like a lot of the spireas, the bridal wreath, the lovely white flowering shrub, uh, which should be in flower during May. Um, some of the white camellias will still be going. But see, this is where I have to hesitate because not all of the white camellias will, uh, and the spirea may be in flower in May, or it may have flowered that bit earlier, depending on how warm the spring is. Uh, so it is a bit hit and miss. I would say you're, you're nearly guaranteed insofar as you can be with your bulbs your alliums and I love obviously a big communion I, I love white so maybe go with white tulips yeah. and white alliums 
you don't have to obviously but it is nice um you you my best advice to you actually would probably be go to your local garden center even three or four weeks or even two weeks before the event uh, and then you're going to get stuff that you know will be in flower yeah. at the right time okay thank you for that did John Paul sent you on the WhatsApp from Margaret in Charleville saying, what, how can I get rid of this weed? And she sent on a photograph, which it looks like scotch grass, is it? It's not actually. From what I can make out from the photograph, it's a thing called mare's tail or horse tail. Okay. Which, uh, not a, an easy question. It doesn't have an easy answer, I'm afraid. Uh, it's a prehistoric plant. And it's, it's a very simple form of plant. It's, it's, it's just like with ferns, you know, it's just over the mosses. So you'd think it's easy to eradicate, but it's not. Uh, it's incredibly difficult to eradicate, if not impossible, I'm afraid. Um, however, I, I did hear, I, I teach gardening in, uh, I teach horticulture in Clausius-Stephane-Nafe on a Monday evening, but, uh, and only this Monday we were talking about, and I was talking about it in, in terms of plant classification about the mare's tail, uh, and one of the students in the class was telling me that um, she, when she was a child, and in fact still, um, that they, they dry, they harvest it, they cut the mare's tail, they dry it, and they boil it, and it, and it, they, they, they drink the juice of it when it's cooled. And there it's very, you go. It's a very good um, supplement for silica deficiency. So it, as an immune system, uh, to promote a good immune system, it, it's an excellent additive. So from that point of view, maybe 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 don't try and eradicate it, set up a little cottage industry. But joke, jokes aside, I suppose, I'm being facetious, maybe it, it is a very difficult one, even chemically, even if you did want to use glyphosate or any of them, which I'm not recommending, but if you did, even that... Uh, which is the active ingredient in, in nearly all weed killers on the shelf, has limited effect on it. Uh, digging it, you're, you may as well throw your hat at it, because if you leave a bit of the root, which you will, uh, it'll come back again. So I think you, you won't eradicate it, I'm afraid. The only thing you could hope to do is, is stay on top of it culturally, in other words, by, by digging it uh, every year, just to, to keep it under control. But I'm afraid I don't have a good news there's on no, that one. There's, there's no. no easy solution. Question for Peter. Any advice on plants for a patio garden that will be safe for toddlers and animals? People are always afraid, I think, to plant when they've got children. Yes, and correctly. I mean, yeah, you, I would say two things. Obviously, you have to be, I mean, I'm a father of two smallies myself, so obviously you have to be careful about what you plant because many plants will have will give skin allergies and cause blisters to the skin along with many of them being toxic. On the one hand, I would say that, but on the other hand, we can't be, you know, nearly every plant is toxic to a degree. So, you know, we all grew up around buried plants and poisonous plants. We, we all live to, to, to tell the tales. Of, well, I think inherently we are innately, we... We, we know what we shouldn't eat, but that's not always true. So we do have to be careful. Um, <clears throat> so I suppose from that point of view, I would avoid in a small garden where the children might be more inclined to, to, to go at the plants. Uh, I would avoid plants with berries. I would avoid plants with thorns. If it's just something that you want, uh, what she says, for a patio garden, if it's just that you want to fill the pot with colour, uh, I would look for this time of the year, I would look at things like your cyclamen, uh, winter heathers are another great one and of course the, the heather and particularly the winter flowering one is a very valuable resource for the bees and he- honey from Irish heather is uh, studies last year have shown now that it is just as as strong in health benefits if not stronger than the manuka honey so yeah. that's a bit of a, a bit of an aside but winter heather will give beautiful colour as well being, as well as being an important plant cyclamens uh, you could also look at winter pansies they give great colour for this time of the year now all of those Okay, I'm just looking at pictures here. Somebody, this is, thank you for that. Margot says, uh, Hi, Peter. I purchased a skimmy, skimmia Jap 
Temptation. Japonica, yeah. isn't it? Temptation. Yeah. Japonica, yeah. Uh, that's the description on the label. A few years ago, I repotted it, fed it, never let it dry out, but it's never produced berries or flowers. So I went back to the shop where I purchased it and they can't remember the supplier who gave it to them. Is it true that plants like this, which have been forced to produce berries for the Christmas season, take a few years to revert to normal? Perhaps if I plant it in the ground, I might have better luck. Any advice, please, from Margot? And this is the one with the red berries. Oh, yes, it is. It is a very with red berries at Christmas and I, I was w- wondering what the answer is until the very last sentence perhaps if I planted it in the ground yes so skimia temptation is so skimia is, is quite a large genus of plants and you'll, you'll see one called rubella which is a very popular one during the Christmas month it's a gorgeous gorgeous evergreen plant and it, it holds not berries but it holds these lovely clusters of kind of uh, reddy green flower bud during during Christmas you, you'll know it immediately if you saw I'm, it I'm looking at pictures of it yeah I do uh, yeah. indeed yeah. and then the rubella opens up in, in kind of February, March with these gloriously scented white flowers a really stunning shrub uh, but that's a male form so skimmias you have uh, two you have male and female forms so rubella is a male form which pollinates the female forms which bury and then you have some varieties and these are modern cultivars so they are man-made varieties uh, such as temptation which is self-fertile so you have the male and female flowers on the same plant so okay. it will they will flower or they will create berries all on their own. However, what has happened here is because it's still in the pot, I would think it's hungry. Yes, I know she says, or the, the caller says that they've fed it and they've watered it and it's still alive. That's great. But I think it is probably, my, my best guess would be that it is lacking in nutrients. Uh, and in specifics, I would say it's probably lacking in potassium and phosphorus. So the skimmias then are like um, the, the rhododendrons and camellias and those other ericaceous plants in that they set their flower buds now for opening next spring. So, or even earlier than now, we're in October now, it's probably too late for this year. August, September is when I would treat that plant with a good sulfate of potash or good organic tomato food uh, to promote flower buds for opening next year because obviously if you have no flowers, you won't have any berries because the flowers have become the berries. So I, do, I would plant it out definitely. And if there's no flowers at the moment, there's little enough that you can do until next July, August. Uh, and that's when you plant your feed it with your tomato food or sulfate of potash. And then Marie is having great success with her skimmias because she says, I've got two skimmias, male and female, far too big for the shrub bread that they're in. Will I cut them back even at the cost of losing the flowers and the berries for this year? Maria's just showing off now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, poor old Margot is just going, what's Marie doing that I'm not doing? Yeah. Um, okay, the, the answer to your question is is this, actually. It's kind of up to Maria herself. Marie herself. It's up to yourself. If you, if you cut them back now, you won't harm the plants by any manner or means. You won't do any damage to them. But yes, you will sacrifice the flowers and any berries that are on it for this year. So uh, it's, it's up to you. I, w- I would be more inclined to leave them to enjoy the berries and leave them flower and then cut them back early next spring, kind of around March, just to, to enjoy the berries and to enjoy the flowers, uh, I would leave them. But if, like, if it's something practical, like if it's blocking a path or a driveway or something like that, cut them back now. You're not going to harm it, but you will you will lose the, the flowers and buds, yeah. Uh, Anne in Charleville wants to know when should the geraniums be brought, be brought in and how does she store them over winter? You store them over winter quite simply in an unheated uh, glass house or polytunnel or if you don't have such a thing, even if it's provided your garden shed or garage is bright enough, like there's a good amount of sunlight getting in there, that'll do them fine. You, you won't have to worry too much about water over the winter. Give them a drop of water even once a week, once a fortnight. You just want to keep the soil moist without being overly damp. Um, when to do it? Yeah, I would say it's around now you'd need to do it. Uh, I would 
particularly if they're in loose pots, I'd be doing it before Lorenzo tomorrow anyway, uh, because if they're loose, obviously they, they could become, they could get blown around the place. So I would move them in, but leaving Lorenzo aside, if we weren't having a storm coming, you'd bring them in just before, just before the frost. And uh, we, had, we had a frost this morning. We did, we did have a slight one this mm. morning, yeah. So I would say around now is when you need to move in. I, I say that, but of course, I'm, I'm a lazy gardener myself. Yours are still I out. leave mine out. <laughs> <laughs> Tom and Balancholic planted golden wonder potatoes. They're small. They're affected by wire worm. He got blight earlier on in the year and sprayed yeah. them. Did this cause the potatoes now to be small? And should he not grow spuds in the same place next year, he's wondering? Whether or not that caused the, the potatoes to be small, I, I would I don't know, but I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think either the blight or the wire worm would cause them to be small, no. Uh, but yes, the second part of the question he's answered himself, definitely don't grow potatoes there because with the wire worm, even on its own, I'd recommend your, your cultural control crop rotation, move them somewhere else. Uh, but certainly if there was blight in the soil this year, don't even think about planting potatoes there for the next two or three years. And from Tom and Balancholic, let's go to Sheila and Balancholic. She said, we cut down old palm trees. They were a dividing wall within a housing estate. We're now looking to set bare stemmed evergreen trees that will only grow to around eight foot. What would you suggest? You could, uh, you could, sorry, I'm just kind of thinking there when she says bare stemmed, I'm guessing she means what we call a standard, which is that the stem would be clear. It's like a lollipop, if you like. The yeah. stem would be clear yeah. with the, the greenery on top. There are many things that are grown as a standard, many evergreens, that if you want it only to go to eight foot, it's not really even a tree, it's a small, it's a large shrub, it's what you're looking for. So many large shrubs, stroke small trees, are grown as standards. Red robin is one that's grown that way, and it makes particularly nice standard. Uh, also, bay leaves, bay leaf would, would certainly do well in that situation. Holly, hollies can be grown in that way too. Uh, Portuguese laurel and your common laurel. Uh, I suppose uh, I would probably... I would probably look at Portuguese laurel or common laurel in that situation because they give good screening relatively quickly. And though the common laurel will probably want to get higher than, than eight feet, that's just a maintenance issue over the years to come. It's not going to be a huge maintenance issue, but just, do, I suppose, do bear that in mind. If it's, if it's not going to be possible for you to do it yourself or to get somebody easily to do it, maybe avoid the common laurel, the Portuguese laurel would be uh, slower growing and therefore let, would require less maintenance. So I would say either standard hollies or standard Portuguese laurel. Okay, some general advice on roses. Uh, somebody wants to take cuttings from a climbing rose. Is now a good time to do it? And others want to know, is it time to cut back roses? Okay, well, I hope it's a good time to take cuttings from the roses because I just took a few myself the other day, last weekend. So I just took a few. I couldn't I couldn't resist it. It, uh, it is a bit late. Uh, the textbook will tell you it's a bit late, but I would certainly I would certainly give them a go now, take the, take the cuttings and, and hope for the best. Um is, is it too early to cut them back? I would say I wouldn't give them their their annual serious pruning if you like. Now I would I would leave it to the other side of the winter. But if if you want to just trim them back, and particularly, I mean, we often get calls. Trisha, we've talked about it before, having roses and flower around Christmas time, and they're like yeah. my ro- my roses, some of my I roses still have flowers. flowers. Yeah. I don't just have flowers. Some of mine are flowering better now <laughs> than they have all year. So I definitely wouldn't be cutting them back, but trim them back. Certainly any dead flowers, any diseased shoots, anything like that, certainly trim away. But I wouldn't give them their their main haircut, if you like, until the other side of the winter, kind of early February. What about hydrangeas and lilies? Can you cut them back, Mary wants to know? Hydrangeas, exactly the same as what I said for the roses. Uh, deadhead them by all means now, but I wouldn't give them their general pruning until early spring, just in case we get very cold temperatures. They will do better if you leave them off until early spring next year. Uh, lilies then, uh, depending on which lily they, they 
are because the term lily covers a multitude, but the, the classic lily, which is lilium, um, would be finished flowering now, or would be if it's not, it should be close to finished flowering now. So whichever one you have, if the flower is gone, you just wait for the stem, similar to the daffodils, really, because they're, they're growing from a bulb as well. So wait for the foliage and the stem to go brown and die off, and for all the, the chlorophyll and the food reserves to go back into the bulb, which is the food store for next year's plant. So wait for them all to go back in, let, let the foliage and stem die off, then prune it down to ground level uh, and either leave the lily in the ground or, or lift the bulb and plant it out again next year. Yeah, and some people take them up, others don't, others leave them in the ground. It's the, it's the very same with the daffodils. And now is the time to start planting the daffodils because always in the spring we get people saying, is, can we plant daffodils and it's too late? Yes, and yeah. I've, um, I'm, I'm looking at uh, daffodil bulbs now. I've just started relatively recently. A quick plug for myself, I've just started selling a few of the bulbs and plants that I use in my own garden designs now online on the Irish Gardener store. Uh, and I, I'm always getting, I love this time of the year, I love planting bulbs, but uh, I, I always kind of chuckle to myself because you buy them now for, you know, 30 and 40 cents. I know, I know, yeah. And, and then, then in the springtime it'd be three or four euros. Yeah, and, and, and the colour they give you is, is terrific. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, Peter, thank you for that. Have a lovely week. And you, thanks. And we'll talk again next week. Yeah. That is uh, Peter Dowder, the Irish uh, com. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. There are now even more ways to listen to C103. Tune in on your radio, go online, or grab our mobile app. And now you can ask your smart speaker to play C103. Play C103. Okay. So you can just follow me. Try it now. Try it now. Follow, follow, follow. C103.